2: welcome to the game podcast from the times happy 2017 to you all this week i'm joined by not one not two but three former professional footballers i'm going to surprise them right now by seeing which one is the nerdiest of the three and which one if i were to ask how many top flight matches have you played can tell me off the top of their head cascarino
0: are you including top flight England, yeah, or it's
2: England's not the only country in the world. Top flight exactly. anywhere.
0: Uh, I don't, you I can don't include, know. I don't you know. Can include
2: Scotland if you don't. Uh,
1: probably to the at least 100.
2: 200. Scowcroft? I wouldn't have a clue. I do because I looked it up. <laughs> uh, Stuart Robson? than
1: 70, I'd say.
2: I think you're around 250 last time I looked. You're like 350, maybe even more actually. That's me, Cass. Yeah. yeah. Cass. Yeah. And. You, I don't know, because the almanac, my almanac didn't go that far back. So, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, We have a new manager in the Premier League, and another manager has lost his job. We'll be talking about what 2017 has offered up so far. Arsenal coming from uh, 3-0 down, and whether that's a glass half full, glass half empty moment. But there's one place to start, and it's the Etihad. Manchester City and Burnley, a dire first half from City, I thought. Aguero and Silva on the bench, lots of head scratching there. Uh, before we get into, as I'm sure we will, Pep Guardiola and the madness surrounding that, Fernandinho's red card, nobody wants to argue. Not really. No? All right, so please tell me this. It was about half an hour in, mm. if, if I recall. What would prompt you to make that kind of tackle in that area of the pitch when you know your team is already shorthanded in terms of central midfielders because Gundogan is, is injured? It's the first half of a game. You're playing freaking Burnley at home. Why tackle in that way, in that position?
1: There is no explanation for it. Only madness, really, because what was going to happen, he should have jockeyed the player. He could have run alongside him and nicked the ball off him. Instead, he he threw himself into the challenge. Two-footed, scissor-type movement. There is no excuse for it. Years ago, we'd have been able to get away with that. But now the rules say that you can't jump off the ground. You can't go with two feet like he did with his stud showing. And he had to get a red card. But I still don't understand why he does it. It could be laziness that he doesn't want to run backwards, so he goes head first into the challenge rather than chase the player back. It's, it's, it's reckless. The,
2: Cass, this is his third red card of the yeah. season. Uh, one of them, the, the Gladbach one, was a second yellow hmm. situation, and, and I thought a bit harsh. But you know, the other one that he got was the, the, the choke on Cesc Fabregas. This is not a player who we think of as a red mist type guy.
0: I don't know if there's something a bit deeper at City. It feels like there's something that's not quite right, where players are seemingly... If you think of the Aguero setting off against Chelsea, that's just a mad... why. We all say, it's just an instinct. why Why did he do it? Why did Aguero just make a really ridiculous challenge on David Luiz? Then you see the same from Fernandinho. It's becoming a little bit too common for my liking. So I'm not quite sure if this is... Coming from the training ground with the manager onto the football
2: field, well, I rather want to throw this out there: the impression that it has more to do with the particular environment around City right now, perhaps. And I think back to, you know, the "what's tackles" uh, comment from from Pep, and maybe, maybe the idea that some people feel that you know we, we look like we're a bit of a soft touch here because you know look around, like other than Otamendi. Does none of these people strike as particularly scary, physically dominant individuals? And maybe in some way, English football's perceived to be more physical, and he wants to show it, and he doesn't want to get pushed around, and so maybe he goes out and he overreacts this mm-hmm. way. Is this too much?
1: I think there's a pop sort of, psychology at the moment. There's a lot of anxiety at Manchester City, and that sometimes makes players challenge rashly when they shouldn't do and make bad decisions. You know, there was a lot of anxiety in the crowd. You can tell the managers got. Anxiety problems on the side of the field. One or two of the players arguing with each other. Things aren't quite right at Manchester City. And that's what happens when things aren't quite right. People make rash decisions.
0: On on what Stuart's saying there, I was at Millwall versus Gillingham on Friday night. And there was two sending-offs for Gillingham. Now, a manager, Justin Edinburgh, is under pressure. Now, funny enough, he loses his job. He loses his own game against Oxford. He gets another player sent off. And what I'm going back to my point is, is when sometimes when the manager is a little bit... Edgy or a bit spiky, like he's been. The team reflect him in some degree. That you know, they just have a reaction to their manager and the way things have been going. You lose football games, you normally find you'll get ill-discipline with happening within the camp as
3: well. You know, you can see in his interview afterwards, he's totally on edge, and that that, that must be the same at full time. It must be the same right, at the half. Players. Yeah, it, exactly. That that's not just all of a sudden happened in that split second, and it does filter through to the players. Just on this, do we
0: think that Pep is getting away with it because he's Pep? Because you touched on, yes, he's a great manager, but is Pep getting away with it at the moment with his side and their performances and the ill-discipline? Or has this just been the week where it's turned?
2: No, the ill-discipline's been there all season. And the other thing I'd say is he got the lineup wrong in the first half, credit also to, to Sean Dyche, but they played really well with 10 men in the second half. He fixed it, he turned it around. And on more than one occasion, he's fixed things... I'm blanking on the game, but it was a recent one where he he switched Arsenal. to Brian and Sterling. Yeah. Um, against Arsenal, where you know, they were being not played, but they were going to lose the game. Yeah, going to this, this is half called time. being a really, really yeah. good manager, making the necessary adjustments after you make there a not mistake. Many and
1: many teams will play with ten against eleven and win the game no. by a the game by goal.
2: And they're third in the table. You touched upon it. we can move to it now. What he said after the game, what I find interesting is that in the cold light of day. You can spin that into an absolute positive after the game Mm. and just go there and say, yeah, I got it wrong at the beginning, but then we fixed it. You know, unlucky with a red card, we're third in the table, onwards and upwards, right? But that didn't happen. And that's what I find really, really interesting. It's like, you know, the mask that managers wear after games. And you can say, oh, but they're still wound up from the game. Yeah, I know, but... Paul
3: Hayward made a good point, didn't he? In, uh, I don't think the... so. Paul rarely makes good... <laughs> <points>. <laughs> Paul Hayward's very good. In the uh, Telegraph said that Alex Ferguson's number one rule is you never show the press your emotion. You never let them see a chink in your armour. And, uh, and and Pep did that. And ever since, you know, people have jumped on it now, haven't they?
2: What's What's interesting to me about this is that... And he does have sort of the, the, the tortured soul thing going on. I, when I... First met him a long time ago. Um, you know, he was hugely depressed um and felt that there would be no room for him in the game and, and for the football he wants to play. um Because it all, he said it all become physical and not for people with his skill set. Um, talking about
1: as a player or a manager. He's talking as a player, he said, "If yep. I was a
2: young player today, you know, I'd be playing in the third division somewhere. Yep. I'd be one of those guys who stand stills I and passes." disagree with Pep Guardiola.
3: Well, uh, what's well, interesting is football's... Are you saying it's more physical now than what it was 20 years ago? He, he argued. He was arguing. I don't think so. Yes. Well, okay, I, OK, listen, you guys, you're not arguing
2: with me. You're arguing with the 2004 version of Pep Guardiola who said that, OK? He was so down and depressed. It's kind of ironic that he actually, if anything, changed football to make it less about athleticism and, 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 and physicality. But he does have that darkness, that, that anxiety. That's kind of always been there. At Barcelona, in, in two of the, sorry three of his four seasons, if you remember, in January, he said, no, this job's too stressful. I'm too emotionally invested in it. I don't know if I'm going to be back next season. And it's not just a ploy to get more money. Uh, he, he, really, he really bought into it. So I I find that part really interesting. And, and when judged with the context of those comments that he made to not so much the NBC ones where he talked about how he didn't see himself managing until he was 60, but when he was also asked by the the, 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 the Spanish a uh, journalist uh, from from Quatro at the end of the press conference about where he said, you know, City would likely be one of his last jobs, if not the last job, and, and whatever else. Do we think that he's sending a message or he's just being extemporaneous, just saying what was on his mind at the time?
1: I think he probably didn't think about it. He was caught up in the heat of the moment. He said things that he thought might have an a- effect. Um, and they certainly did have an effect, right. do not they? Because at the moment, he looked like a manager that's under massive pressure.
0: What I've sensed from the outside, from... Pep, when he left Barcelona, it wasn't the end of the world, the relationship between Pep and his achievements at Barca. It always feels to me that they let him go on his terms and the relationship with the fans wasn't as tight as what we'd all think it was. And I think it's a similar thing at Bayern. And I don't know, but from what you've said, Gab, and I've read this numerous times about Pep, is that is he one of them guys that comes in one day, he's thinking this way, Three weeks later, he could be thinking another way. And he's never quite sure if he's going to be there for a long period. But them days in between them, them dark periods when he's a manager, does it have an effect on the club? See, do you see what I mean by that? Like, again, I, I, we're that's how I feel. you, know, you, you right? asked me
2: to do stuff that I don't like doing because we are kind of engaging in you know, the dime store psychology here a little bit. But I can just talk about the facts and the events. At Barcelona, there definitely were moments like that. Mm. And it was explained away by people who know him well as saying, look, he is so invested in this club and what it stands for. It's, you know, his first big club. He's he's obviously, you know, he's Barca through and through. He feels the weight of history and whatever else. In the three years at Bayern, he didn't have any particular moments like this. Obviously, he had a row with, uh, with the team doctor yeah. and whatever else, but he never necessarily got to that sort of dark, dreary place that he seemed to be in during that BBC when
3: interview. And you have so much success, that, that helps, doesn't it? This could be the first taste where he's
1: thinking, I might not be successful. I can't turn things around. And that may be a, a reason for being... Uh, right,
2: but then he also didn't win the Champions League. At, but he know, still won the title, so
1: he's still winning yeah, games.
2: He might, still, he might know, not win anything. But you now. can't have yeah. it both ways. One of the great things he said in the, in the NBC interview, which was overlooked because by mm. the other hullabaloo, was that... He derives more joy from the performances, from the process, because that is something that, A, he feels that he's influenced more than the result.
1: Any good side or any good coach, you can see what the game plan is. There's a defined game plan. And I could see that in the first three or four games. You could see the way the fullbacks were coming in, just as they did against uh, when he was at Bayern Munich, to create space for the wide players to get easy possession out. The way they played out from the back, they created space for one of the defenders to come out into midfield. You could see that was all done on the coaching field. Then he changed it, and I now can't see, he changed from one system to another system, different players in different positions. I can't see a defined game plan anymore, and that's a worry Mm -hmm. with a manager that's now been there for half a season.
0: I would argue that, is he one of them guys that's turned up at a club, got success straight away, winning games, looked at his back four and thought, I don't need to go and buy, I can manage these players I've got, and then realised... Deep into the season, the clichés are not as good. The Sanya's not as good. Kolarov is not as good a defender as he would like. Otamendi. O- I would argue he's probably looked at four or five. Sometimes times success at the
3: beginning yeah, is the worst thing that can happen exactly. to Exactly.
0: And he's probably gone to the board and said, I do want this particular player, mm. but we won't overpay now. And I think I can manage this group now and still win games. And that's come at a cost. That's all I see it. But I think
1: he's stopped managing them. In terms yeah, well, of the the, the style yeah. of football well, you, they're playing. You and know,
0: the... Stuart, you've been a player. Mm. We've all been players here. Sometimes you know when a player don't fancy mm. you or, mm. or doesn't believe in you. You know your long-term future at the club and that can come at as a cost, can't it? With and your even team more, or, way,
1: I, I was a coach for several years and head coach at, at Wimbledon. And you started to have you had dark days when you thought, I can't influence the players anymore. Yeah. The way I want to play... They're not. They're not now doing the oh, things I, I want to them it. to do. I, and no. now I'm. I've got a problem because do I change everything? Do I change the players? Do I change what I'm trying to do? And that's when you have the problem.
2: I'm not as negative as you guys are about about City in terms of performances, and, and I'm really encouraged by the fact that when he makes mistakes, he, it, it he fixes them. It still be them. a very good season yeah. for them. Yeah, and I also don't buy. People talk about how you know they've got the greatest squad in the history of the universe. And I said this in the summer, and I got shouted at. I don't think these players are that good. I mean, if we're talking about the very highest, the very highest level, I, I think
1: I, I, I don't. How many would you call world class players? De Bruyne. Yeah, no, I I,
2: I I think I think the Bruyne is outstanding. I think Aguero is outstanding. Once you get past that, I don't, I don't, you know, I I think I, think I, again, I don't, that. I don't share the just I tremendous, tremendous love that, that people have. have. So who's the, who's the no. other world
3: class players in the squad? Silva is definitely. Yaya Touré okay, is but, on his day, but, but sorry, but
2: world-class is an open-ended thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I'm not sure that these other guys, David Silva and Sterling, are quite as tremendous as we sometimes n- make them out to be. I think we kind of got used to almost by rote saying, oh, they have the best squad of the Premier League, when I'm not so sure that's the case. And I think maybe he he over, overvalued what some of these guys can do. Let's talk about Sean Dyche again. I, when he came up the first time, I was like, well, you know, what's up with this? And then, boom, here they are again. They, I mean, they may yet go down, but they're they are closer to mid-table, certainly, uh, than the drop. And, these players just, just kind of work together.
1: He's found a formula at home, that, that's really good. they haven't done very well away from home, he's found a formula at home, where he's been brave, and he's got two centre forwards up high up the field is playing from back to front they've got centre backs that come up and think they can win the ball in the air every set play they get crosses into the box as well as anybody at the moment Away from home, they, they don't do that because they don't always play with two up front and they sit a little bit deeper and they're going to be cut open.
2: Would they be better off if they're just going to lose away from home anyway? Would they play be better the two, off exactly. playing exact, exact yeah, exactly the same way? Exactly
1: the same way. But most managers don't. They say, Well, at home, we're going to press up, we're going to win free kicks, we're going to crosses into the box. When they go away from home, they try and play the same way, but with we're only one up front. I his
2: voice when you said that. But, you know. <laughs> um, but here's the thing people look at Sean Dyche and I mean, Eddie Howe is, is the next mm-hmm. big thing. We'll get to Bournemouth and Arsenal in a second. You never hear him mentioned as somebody who. Who could step up to the next tier of club or or whatever or at least I
1: don't I think he's learned his lesson from the last time which is a sign of a good manager when he came up before they tried to play that little bit more football when they were at home and they got beaten to it because he didn't have good enough players this year he's he's found a way a formula to play well at home and to, to be really compact defensively but also get enough players in the front areas to score goals so he's done very well this time around
2: but why is he never mentioned among the, the better he sort of,
3: he's done it through the underdog kind of through the back door, isn't he? Maybe not as expansive, easy on the eye as what Eddie Howe's teams are. I, I think he will get a job, Sean Dyche that's without doubt, and and he deserves it. Can he take can I, a go oh, on, oh, sorry Can he go to Swansea now? and keep Swansea up and involve them can he might be st- able to do that but would he be able to go
1: and, and I presume you're saying Gab would he be able to go to the next level
3: Could to have a return to Southampton Yeah, yeah. yeah. Club would, like would that. he be able to
1: do that and be and you just said
3: and also and scout foreign players bring foreign players in expansive in his yeah. style
1: of play would that be a problem yeah. for, the, for the chairman
3: well the, the, the interesting thing I mean
0: look the top six jobs are all managed by guys that have done yeah, no, incredibly no, no. We're, we're well. So talking there's, that. We're talking about What I was right. going to say, Gab, years ago, if he'd have done as well as he had with Burnley, he might have got an opportunity at the Spurs. When they also, on, the net, you know,
2: on the line, would you rather have him as England manager than Gareth Southgate? Yeah, you I would? Yes,
0: I would. Yeah. I'm, I'm, very, 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 I'm very, very, I'm, yeah. I see a should, very brave manager in there. Uh, Do you, you
2: guys think he would have been a better option than Gareth Southgate? I'm not going to put you on this podcast, but the two of you...
1: I, I think so. I, right. I, you know,
2: I and mean, we don't even know if he if, if would have been interested. But you know, maybe when the next. Since you guys are running out of. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a question then. Yeah. So,
3: so, the next mid-table West Brom job or, or something comes up, who's got more chance of getting it, Sean Dyche or Gareth going <laughs> it's, it's a great question. <laughs> That's quite an easy one, isn't it, Sean okay. Dyche? <laughs> <laughs> want to take a moment
2: to talk to you about uh, one of the companies that brings you the game podcast. I'm talking about FanDuel. It's one-day fantasy football. Now, you may be familiar with the concept of fantasy football, picking players, and then you get points based on how they perform. A couple things about this are different um, because, first of all, you're not locked in for the whole season, so if you screw it up, you can uh, get out of it, and uh, you kind of get a fresh start every round. The nice thing about it is uh, it also gives points for defensive performances. So, you know, just go and uh, stock your squad with... uh, Uh, with a bunch of Michael Antonios. Uh, You can play for free, or you can put some money uh, of your own down if you want a bigger payout. Um, I've entered the uh, £10,000 fan favorite which only covers the uh, the Saturday games. I did not do too well this week. We have a hundred million pounds to spend. There's no subs. There's no captains. You just put out uh, your eleven and, and the right formation. I think it's actually a pretty decent test of football uh, knowledge. And on top of all that, if you sign up with our promo code the game, then FanDuel will, re- will return your entry fee as free credit up to ten pounds if you don't win cash in your first contest. So it literally is kind of like playing with house money. This is only available in the uk you have to be over the age of 18 please play responsibly and of course terms apply remember it's fanduel.co.uk and the promo code is the game let's move on to the south coast bournemouth and arsenal (laughs) talk about a a game of of ups and downs bournemouth of course go 3-0 up could have gone 4-0 up and then alexis sanchez sounds his bugle pulls one back and then Arsenal go and end up equalizing, and they make it make it three three. Easy question for you, Cass. After a game like this, if you're Arsene Wenger, is your glass half full or half empty?
0: Um, I, I think you would have to portray it uh, full because to be three 0 down, and they've already lost at Everton and lost lost at City in a manner that they did where they got rolled over got turned over and whether you think the managers outwitted Arsene Wenger which was probably the case in them particular two games to be 3-0 down and get a draw i think he has to look at it as a big boost because i always remember the game and these boys will remember especially stuart the game at the Emirates in the Champions League when they played Monaco. And Oxley chamberlain run with the ball, back to the halfway <laughs> line, plonked it on the pitch. And I remember thinking as I'm watching it, you've got 90 minutes of a replay here. Why are you going so crazy to get and like You know, oh, get in the box, we're going to get this 2-2. They end up losing 3-1 because Monaco scored. And they end up winning 2-0 in Monaco. And now, in some way, I think the way Arsenal were designed... It wouldn't have been out of the realms of possibility that they'd have gone chasing back to the halfway and plopped the ball on the halfway line, taken it, and conceded a fourth
3: against ten men. I mean, Bournemouth did have a that, that you know a they had a great chance.
0: chance so um, to me, I'd have to go full.
3: Scoring, I think it's glass half empty. I d- just looking at the, I didn't see the game. I was at the Palace game last night, but just looking at the score line, three 0 down. You just think, oh my god, that's awful. It's two points dropped without doubt. And I just listening to the radio driving home last night and the Arsenal fans, it was all negative anger comments. Yeah. And I just think that tells me what I need to know. You watch the first 60
1: minutes, and it's everything that you know that Arsenal can do so yeah. badly. You know, and you can't do it. They did it in the second half against Man City. They did it a little bit in the second half against Everton. They did it at Manchester United, because Manchester United, when they're in a crisis, that was when they were really struggling, outplayed Arsenal at Ultra. It was a woeful display. It looks as though they weren't ready for the game. Why? Well, that that's most games that Arsenal lose. It's usually because they aren't anticipating what the opposition are going to do.
2: You've a manager who's been there twenty years. He knows well, I, this country inside out.
1: Well, I remember I, I was doing a lot of work for Arsenal at the time. I worked for a company that worked at Arsenal, and they were playing Barcelona, and he kept on saying, "In the pre-match, yeah, Barcelona are the best passing team in European. We're as close. We're the nearest thing to Barcelona," and I'm kept shouting at the. What about, the, what about the way Barcelona are going to close you down? Are you going to be ready for that? What about the way Barcelona are going to close you down? The first three throw-ins Arsenal took, they threw back to the centre-half. They tried to play across the back. Barcelona pressed them and won the ball. It's as if they weren't ready for it. And I see it time and time again. And I used to listen to Arsenal's players come in on a Friday night, and sometimes we did a show, and they'd say, so what do you know about the opposition? And without fail, they'd go, well, not a lot really. That was, the, that was their usual standard answer. We don't know too much. Uh, we know that uh, Sanzo scored a lot of goals for them. Mm. Unprepared. Ill-prepared for games.
3: Can I make a point? What do we think about Arsene Wenger coming out in the press and moaning about the fixture? Oh. My players are going to be tired. Do, do you not think that tells the players, mm. you've got an excuse now to go, yeah, I feel tired? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you ever, can mentioned it. Well. Yeah, it's can't, it's yeah can't, it's it's just, a... and I just think you're... Th- you might think that, but you tell your player "We're not tired. We're fine. Absolutely, not a problem." We'll but Arsenal so when, when things go, go wrong, half
0: empty or half four one, just oh, on half the... empty. Yeah,
3: i, I just wondered on that. But I mean, being
1: three 0 down to me, oh, think... it's a great, it's a great comeback. Yeah. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Yeah. But they did all the things in the, yeah. in that 30 That's, minutes yeah. that Arsenal yeah. can do. They can, they Can't can create disagree. chances. They can yeah, get yeah. crosses into the box. Giroud win balls in the air. They need to do it more often, and they need to defend better and be ready for the games when opposition press them.
2: Josie Mourinho famously said about. Carlo these three Champions League titles um, that, oh, wow, it's special. You know, there's only a handful of managers who've done it. But, of course, there's only one who ever was 3-0 up at halftime and uh, and squandered it as if it was, like, the biggest reference to Istanbul as if it was, like, a you know, the biggest sin a manager could commit. Do you think Eddie Howe is looking at this and said, like, this is partly my fault? or
1: probably look at it again. And I was watching the game, and as soon as he took off King and put on Sermon, I thought, "Mm, I'm, I'm not sure this is a good move.
2: He likes Sermon a lot. Yeah, covers but, a lot of but ground, but
1: it's, it's a different sort of position. King was threatening Running with pace in behind. Field. They yeah. could then get higher up the field. As soon as he brought Sermon on, it meant Arsenal's midfield had more time on the ball. The back players had more time on the ball. And once you start allowing Arsenal's defenders more time on the ball, and they're holding midfield players time on the ball, you get the rotation. You get the fullback getting forward. Monreal down one side. You get Bayerin going down the other side. And suddenly, Arsenal look a great attack inside. Okay.
2: I'm going to turn around, and play devil's advocate. I'm going to put on my Eddie Howe hair right now. Yeah. So. Okay, gee, Stewart, that's great. I realize that. Mm. Flip side is, if I don't have the extra body clogging the middle, which has been effective against Arsenal, look at West Brom and and whatever else, Mm. if I don't have that, those guys are better than my guys. They have more space in which to play. And yeah, I'll have King up there, and then what happens is Cascielny boots it, Giroud knocks it down, and Sanchez scores. That's why... I put in the extra guy on and I said, you know what? I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm comfortable I, I with Mustafi lumping the ball, if that's I, what you, you want I, me to I, do. I,
1: I fully understand what you're saying, but I've seen Arsenal in, so much, so <laughs> much over the years that the teams that cause them problems are the teams that press them and stop their defenders playing out from the back. And then when they go long, they're not so good when they go long, Arsenal. And then you can get your two, you've still got two in midfield to get round the knockdowns as soon as, and then they're not going to be a great side at doing that. Arsenal are a great side. When they get time on the ball, they start rotating their positions. They Sanchez comes in off the touchline. Monreal's going down the outside. If you stop them at source, they can't do that.
2: I'm fascinated by by Eddie Howe because I don't think those are good players. I really don't. I I, I think Daniels is very good. I think Wilson is, is is a very talented player, but he doesn't play him all the time. Um, and so I have to conclude it's down to the manager. He's obviously doing something extremely well. And... I've ever thought something as simple. How many how many Bournemouth players would start for Everton?
3: I'll well, tell you one, and these I hope these two guys will be back. It's easier to play for Bournemouth than what it is for Everton. Okay, I forget understand. Everton. You got, many? Many? you got eleven for okay. everyone. No, 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 you, no, no, no. There's not a lot Scowy, you can do wrong. Scoring,
2: scoring. You're the manager of a newly merged Stoke Bournemouth team. Okay, how many Bournemouth players get into your
3: eleven? Right. I flip it around again. <laughs> I don't think too many of those Bournemouth players will come off last night, and the f- crowd will really sort of get on their disgrace. Three 0 up, drew three three. Yeah. It's all You'll sort be of nice. hardly ever happens. Right? Yeah. If you do that at Everton,
0: well, they have just think... done it against Liverpool. They have turned it around when they were three one down, and they won it. So
2: yeah, but you... it does happen. But how? You... Sorry, but you've played abroad. The <laughs> stick that people get here, as long as you put an effort. You really have to kind of really screw up Ooh. to really get stick. And if you want, uh, even if you no, get stick after the game you. as you I walk off the pitch, goey you don't get what? stick I was at game
3: last night. Sorry, the, excuse the me. Did it ever happen turned, to you? Did yes. it ever happen? You
2: forget the home crowd at the game, right? But when you when you go home to walk your dog the next morning, do you have people waiting outside your house to insult you when you go to the supermarket? No, that, that doesn't
3: mean that doesn't mean you're still not well, the under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, I. You don't I, need someone with an Alsatian at the bottom of your drive to feel that. So you're saying there's. On your so you're saying
2: there's less pressure playing for Bournemouth go, than there is. Yeah. Well, for um, Stowe.
3: can I just yeah. add something on Bournemouth, yes. Gab? Which.
0: We in the media and in general have ignored the spending power that Eddie House had. Now, if you go through the forwards from right, Bobby, right. Gradle, Josh King, Wilson, but, but, but you, know, you you know, go, you know what's about Seven of them, yeah, I'm no, no, to no, no.
3: their wage bill is in the yeah. league. You know, no, look, is, hey,
2: look, they they got punished for financial for violating the the for the the football league's financial and, for play rules. But you know what's interesting though? Most of those guys actually don't play that often. No, you know, well, he's it's got not,
0: Ibin not played. You know, he's he's had yeah,
2: but I mean, it's, it's Junior Stanislas doing things that yeah. you don't expect from Junior Stanislas. I mean,
1: well, I, that, I, I, I know a player, Harry Artor. I saw him as a, a nine-year-old playing for Charlton's academy. He played the same team as, as my son. And I saw him, he was a decent player. He was probably the best player in that squad. I never assumed that he would play in the Premier League. He was never good enough to play in the Premier League. Charlton let him go when Charlton were in the, so, the Championship. Stuart, I
3: told Gab this on the, on the show last week. I played with Charlie Daniels uh, late in Orient, and he's, he's a lovely lad, come from Tottenham. If someone would have said in five, six years' time would be playing in the Premier League... Uh, so you're done. really but agreeing with Gab then? So if you look yeah, at they're Southampton, off. They're off. so Southampton there, the way they went up the league, half the players were playing in League One mm. three or four years ago. You, the more games you play, the better you get. Mm. That, that's Right, but
2: Southampton had a good manager, right? And Pochettino.
3: Well, not when they came up.
2: Well, no, but I'm not talking about promotion. I'm talking when they stayed up. It was it was it was was Pochettino, and they also had some good additions to it. Mm -hmm. I I look at this and I look at most of these guys, and you ask yourself, and again, I I think Callum Wilson's very good. He's also coming off a season-ending injury, and he doesn't play all the time. These other guys, who is really special, and then other than Jack Wilshere, obviously who didn't play last night.
0: When I watched Bournemouth a lot last year, they were beaten up badly at home, conceded a a huge amount of goals. Tottenham did It to us, right. Everton scored three there. There were they had loads of teams score lots of goals for him. I thought Eddie's biggest test was how good a defensive coach can he be? As in, can his side be harder to not concede goals against? And and I think largely he's done that this year. He's apart from last night, I think in general, he's managed his team much better defensively, which has enabled him. He spent very big on but forwards. again, Full credit again, no,
2: you said about managing his team better because we're talking, other than the, the, the Nathan aki who. Also hasn't played like every game, and you know last season he was playing left yeah, back. Yeah. You know, I, um, you know, you're you're talking about the same crew, right? Daniels, yeah. Cook, Francis. I just find it remarkable. I'd love to be able to to understand this a little bit better. How they're always there in mid table uh, with those players. So again, taking it yeah, as individuals. Yeah,
3: he deserves a lot of credit for the job he's done. Yeah. That, that's yeah. I don't yeah. think anyone would debate that.
1: As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone.
3: I
2: want to move on to a guy who is now unemployed, um, Mike Phelan. News came through last night from Whole City. My first instinct is the dead last on the table give somebody else a go. Will this necessarily come with strings attached whereby a manager is gonna come in and demand a certain level of investment, which you probably needed anyway in January? Uh, That's kind of the way English football works, right? Yeah.
1: But back the manager. the The only reason I would think that uh, obviously they're not doing particularly well, but Mike Finn probably went to the board and said, "I can't do anything more with these players. I need more investment." And the board said, "We're not going to invest." And you're saying that you can't do anything more with them. Well, we might as well let you go at the moment. He probably said the wrong things to the board, and he said the wrong things after the game the other day, didn't he? he Was almost mm. admitting defeat. You know, when he was sort of talking about, well, we, you know, we just can't defend and we can't do this and we can't do that and we keep giving goals away. We're, we, you know, we're in trouble. And when you hear the manager say that, that's where the board have gone, oh, I don't like this, we'll get somebody else in. I'm not saying it's right, I'm saying that's probably what they think. David cool. Boys has said similar thing, isn't he, mm. in Sunderland. I
0: did a piece with Bill Edgar for the Times about Mike Phelan when he signed his new deal and I said I didn't think he'd get past the window in January. Why? I think the owner's son, who's now taken reins of the club yet, yeah, yeah. he, um, he has caused the massive rift between, firstly was Stevie Bruce who walked out in the club... Well, that, you're
2: trying to sell the club. It's a well, slightly... yeah, but
0: selling the club, and, but you're still trying... For a manager who thinks he's, his credibility's on the line, Gab, Mike Feeling's had to walk into Stevie Bruce's shoes with no money, not even a squad at the start of the season, worthy of being in the Premier League, start really well, and then when it does fall apart, which it has done, because you start losing games on a regular basis, oh, you're not going to win many, and now Mike Feeling knows he's got nowhere to turn and it's come at the cost of his job it was always going to be like that at Hull mm. it was never going to be in a, uh, even when they started brightly I, I always felt Hull was ready to go
1: wrong on. in the games yeah. that they won they were hanging on
3: the games obviously they're not totally getting outplayed are they? No, it's no, just real weeks, schoolboy so. errors yeah, yeah, that are yeah. costing them really but I, I don't think the board have looked at that and think we'll get someone better in who can keep us in I, I think his Samuel Eto'o quotes almost a little bit of a you're joking he'll never come here I don't think he endeared himself <laughs> too well
0: it's a, it's a normal response, though, isn't it, James? Yeah, no, 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 the, I think, I think, Come he's, on, I think he's a Ueto. good guy, and
3: I, and I, th- I think he, he knows that he's done as much as what he can with that group. and mm. I, just, I just can't see them. It
0: tells you a it. lot when a manager walks out in the summer when you've just, you know, you're in the Premier League. He's just got promotion. He's just got promotion, and he's going, I'm off. That tells you everything you need to know what's wrong with Hull.
2: Especially that manager. Mm. I mean, given that yeah. he was relegated with them, they stuck with him, yeah. and he took them back up. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, I mean it's an argument for another time. But we mentioned him. We mentioned Deitch, obviously another yeah. manager. You know, sometimes if you believe in what a manager's doing, you know, we we we, we often we often see this in, in in midseason, right? People say like, "Oh no," but it's a disaster if you go down to the championship. It isn't because yeah. in this day and oh, but look at the riches of the Premier League. You know, the fact of the matter is, most teams, certainly teams like Hull, unless you've got you know a, a lollipop signing the contracts. There'll be relegation clauses in the contracts. If you look at the number of teams that come back up, I think it's something like six out of the last 15 relegated sides. And obviously, where the wheels have come off and things have gotten difficult in that list of 15 teams that kind of disappeared into oblivion, you know, you've got teams like Blackburn, you've got teams like Fulham, teams like QPR, teams that have much deeper issues. But if you think your manager's on the right track, even if you're going to go down, a lot of times it makes sense to keep him. If you like what he's doing, if you like the way he works, if you conclude that we're so only... see
1: Norwich fill with Alex Neil, but exactly. he's, he's struggling at the moment. So now the, the, the crowd I, have turned I, on I, him. I, I don't can buy I, into it.
3: Going I, down, it's easy to come back up. But I think I, it's very I'm odd. just
0: going to say something. You know what I've realised, and, and being around football clubs and being around managers, and especially in, these boys know that I, I like them go to games in League 1, League 2. Do you know what? It's amazing what happens between the, the board. And a chairman. The directors who might voice their opinion on a manager that ends up dividing a group, a board. And that can be a real issue at football clubs, where Alex Neil at the moment might have, I don't know there's 10 on the board, five with him and five against. But do you know, it changes week by week. And I, I'm saying this because I know Johnny still at Dagenham. He went to the board at Luton, and it, apparently it was four and four. There was eight board members. And he walks because... <laughs> He wanted a majority, not a, a, you know, four. He didn't want four people against him in the boardroom. That is a dynamics of a lot of boardrooms that they're with you and you think they're with you. And when you hear these comments of "oh, oh, the board, yeah, we're backing our manager," it probably means well, at the moment he's slightly got the edge on the board, but it not also, everybody.
2: I don't know. We talk about boards. I think that's relevant at some clubs, no doubt. I think a lot of other clubs, it's completely relevant because the board is just a bunch of flunkies, and you've got one guy who owns. <laughs> Hundred Name percent of the club. What? Name names. <laughs> no, but it's when pe- people talk about, like you know, people talk about the United board. I mean, well, well, what board? It's Woodward, his mate, and and the Glazers, right? There's no board, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's a, it, it's not like it's it's the Greek Senate, right? And <laughs> so it's the same thing at, at City. I'm sure there is a board at City. In fact, I know there is, but there's there's no board. It's it's Khaldun. And, you know. <laughs> they
0: do get affected by people around them. <laughs> of course, of course, but everybody does. Okay, so but it's, it's
3: like, uh, it is more about persuasion those days and compulsion, gone with, isn't it? Where it's a sort of a local owner and he does no, have it's, a board. That's it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's all
2: done. I want to move on to another club uh, that have one local owner, Hugh Jenkins. I'm assuming he's local because of the way he spells his first name and because his last name is Jenkins. Um, <laughs> and two majority owners who are American and a ton of other owners who are the Swansea Supporters Trust. They've appointed Paul Clement. Obviously, a guy has been around, spent time as an assistant at Bayern Munich, uh, Real Madrid, and uh, and Chelsea, of course. So, uh, And Paris Saint Germain as well. Mm. That, that, that is quite the.
1: Who's he going to bring? Ancelotti's his assistant.
2: How cool would that be? <laughs> um, he's coached some players. He, yeah. he's, he's worked, yeah, he's worked with some pretty good players. <laughs> uh, and he obviously has a trust of you know a, 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 a top international coach. He's had a go at management before, but that was in the championship, so I know nothing about that. I assume because he's still not there, it did not go well. Discuss.
1: It didn't go well at Derby. um, And I saw their last three or four games at Derby. And I said earlier on about how, when you watch a team, what's their game plan? What are they trying to do? I saw the Derby side that was all over the place. And it was the worst I'd seen them play for two or three years. And I know one or two people at Derby, so I'd seen them a lot. And the players were going down in their performances. There was no pattern of play. There was no sort of thing to be a game plan. And that's something. When you're the assistant, you can get away with it. you. You keep players happy. You, you you take good sessions, maybe. But are you the real coach? Are you the one that's making all the decisions? Well,
2: to, to, to be fair, in the, I mean, we don't know if we're not there. But I would assume in the Clement-Ancelotti dynamic, normally you think of Ancelotti as being the good cop. So I would assume he Clement would have had some level of... Unless they're both good cops, and yeah, I, but I mean, I in terms of the who but,
1: who dictates the tactics, who dictates yeah, the no, game no, style, no, I would uh, imagine obviously. Ancelotti yeah, does yeah, it. Yeah, he, says, no, no, he says to Paul Clement, "Go and coach this." The, the now di- he's the manager; he's got to make all the decisions himself.
3: The biggest difference is the the, the psychology coaching, isn't it? Mm. You, you've got to be. He's, he's got to go into Swansea now. Is that the guy he actually sat right behind me last night? He's the one that's got to get into those players' heads. Clement sat right behind you. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a training session. Oh, lads, we're going to do this training session. This training session is going to keep us up. I think it's, how can you get that extra 20% Mm. out of those, but the guilty Sigurdsons of the world. And you know, they've got some good players, Swansea. How mm. can you do that? And that's, that's the good managers can. I'm sure we both, all three of us have played. Intelligent people learn more
2: when they don't have success than when they do have success. Obviously he went through that at Derby. Do, Do we think, I mean, is there reason to believe that he would have learned from, that would have been a learning experience. We
0: don't know Gav at the moment because we his only one experience he's had has been... It was okay. I think it was fifth when, they, when he lost his job. Yeah. But it was in a pretty rough period. That's a stupid politics.
2: question. You know. Sorry, again, championship question. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't fifth good? What do they do? <laughs> well, like Darby, Darby, Darby were
1: expected to have been expected to go up for the last three or four. Yeah. McLaren almost took them to the top and then he lost seven out of the last eight games and that's why he got the sack the first time round. Yeah. Then they then they appointed I think it was uh, Clement was the next manager, and then they've appointed a Pearson who that So sorry, right. sorry,
2: sorry. So if Clement takes over after your mate Stevie Mac mm-hmm. has lost seven of eight games the And then he the gets season. them Oh, that was at the end of the right season. Right at the end of the season. So Clement had the whole preseason? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And they're in fifth place and they're not happy. And so they... Well, they
1: started off wh- badly. They, they lost. They didn't win for their first six games. They hardly scored a goal. Then they went on a great run. Um, yeah. And then over the Christmas period, they then lost four or five away. on the trot. Yeah, yeah and, they had a bad, bad run. And they lost to Manchester United. Remember 4-0 yeah. in the cup, yeah, was it? Yeah. And at home when they played... See,
0: we're confidence. all looking... Yeah. well, You know, he's a coach. We only know him really as an assistant. Yeah. M- mainly. Because of the clubs you mentioned at the start. Now... The biggest challenge always is for a coach is to become a number one, and that is a different job. Yeah. You know, you don't. You know, I have. I haven't been a coach, but I've been at great clubs where you. Could, we would say we know guys we've played with in football who have coached in football. There'd be a great number one, or there would be a great number Don, two. I, I used Don. Say he Don played under. You, you, you. He's played a under two. Don, I played under Don Howe for, for years. I played him yeah. as a coach,
1: and he was a good coach, an excellent coach. I would say, we, I learned. Load of tactics off him, but his sessions were always excellent sessions. The players loved it, all that sort of stuff. When he became the manager, he lost all that for some reason, and he couldn't. He didn't seem to be able to man manage. Didn't want to make some of the big decisions, and he lost. He lost the players to a certain degree. Yeah. Whereas he was an excellent well, coach. And but when he went up to number one, he wasn't the same person.
2: Percentage chance, and in light of course of their uh, of their view of their victory over Palace. By the way, I'm wondering, Are you are you seeing Palace actually? win this season when you've seen them in person
0: <laughs> no, no I haven't <laughs> <laughs> and they were very poor <laughs> last how many night no, many, when you were playing for <laughs> occasionally
3: how many games have you been to I haven't been to many this season <laughs> uh, three four no 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 only been It's my third game last night
2: and they've lost all of them yeah yeah Steve Parrish if you're thinking I don't know no, that's you might not going <laughs> to get in this to. <laughs> you might want to reconsider or maybe send Skull Week to some other games well, to be fair, if have only no, won four games in
3: all okay. 2016, and <laughs>
2: Fair point. Fair point. Most definitely not a good, not a bad luck charm. We're not superstitious here. Knowing what we know about their victory last night, percentage chance Swansea stay up? For me, twenty percent. Uh
3: thirty-five percent.
1: Twenty-five. I'll go with Swansea to stay up. We're we'll pretty negative towards Swansea's yeah. chances. Well, you, the
3: average, you is get... around, average is around average
2: around twenty-seven percent. Sounds about <laughs> right to me. <laughs> Right. Let's move on to some quick hits. This is where I'm told that some people don't remember the rules. So I'm going to have to go through them again for their benefit. I will uh, ask a question of our panelists and uh, they have 20 seconds in which to answer. After 20 seconds, they will hear a sound effect. Think of it as a bit of a warning sound like this. And after 25 seconds, you will hear lightning. I keep talking after that, I will start shouting and being unruly, and you don't want that. Liverpool twice take the lead at Sunderland, and twice Germain Defoe equalizes from the spot. Cass, can we chalk all this up to the three games in seven days and Sadio Mane's bad judgment?
0: Um, well, Mane's judgment uh, obviously with the handball, and you know just that moment that you can get something madly wrong. I think Liverpool have to take a big positive out of the the, the week that they've had, really beating City. You know, and the they're performing—they—they—they a good side.
2: Speaking of Sunderland, they ran themselves into the ground, and actually, I thought played rather well. Uh, yet they're stuck deep in the relegation zone. Stuart, other than spending his way out of it, what can Moyes do in the here and now to turn it around?
1: First thing, he's got to work harder with the back four. Saw them against Burnley, where they were all over the place. They... No more Donald Love. Well, it's not. it's not a case of who they pick in terms of working with them, making sure they do the right job, not two players going for the same ball, not being too square. I think uh, they need to get the ball into the front areas that little bit quicker at times, get support to there, and then try and be more creative in the top third of the field. And I think he's got to stick to a tactic. He's got lots of injuries at the moment, stick to the same tactic, use different players, but make sure he knows exactly what, or the players know exactly what he's trying to do.
2: They look to me like a team that were pretty well drilled, drilled yeah. and certainly up for it, working really and worked you really can't hard say the from.
1: same when they played Burnley. That was a no, dive. I, I did not
2: have the, the pleasure of watching the uh their match against Burnley. Manchester United win 2 0 at West Ham as Mike Dean makes everyone unhappy. Uh Scoey, you can either revel in six straight wins or you can join the crucifixion of Mike Dean. It's
3: your call. Uh definitely talk about reveling six straight wins, can't be bothered about Mike Dean. Uh <laughs> United are doing well at the moment, although they were average against West Ham, I have to say, but Six straight wins. They look like they've got a bit of momentum going, don't they? The gap is closing now. Liverpool have dropped points. Arsenal have dropped points. It'd be interesting second half of the season. Top four finish? 50-50. Oh, come on. Yes. Show a little bit of faith. Yes.
2: Watford well, lose at Stoke 2-0, and they have one point from the last five games. Cass, is this just because everybody seems to be injured at once, or is there a broader reason they're sinking like a stone?
0: Well, it definitely has a massive impact on a football club um, of Watford stature where they lose so many players. I thought it was a massive test going to Stoke because Stoke have gone with Peter Crouch down the middle, a little bit more direct, and Mark Hughes attempted it, and they caused a few teams' problems, Liverpool, Chelsea, and uh, I thought it was always going to be one-way traffic for Watford, and uh, they need players back.
2: How did Crouch play two games in three days like that? I mean, what, what, what,
3: yeah, <laughs> was he well-rested? Like, yeah,
2: I was so impressed. Uh, Stuart, I can't work out Everton. and I've asked this question last week. I think I'm going to we'll continue working and out, uh, asking it every week. I don't know if they're actually any good, um, even after their 3 you no know, win over Southampton. So, as I said, I asked, I don't know who I asked last week, but um, somebody definitely less clever than you. So I'm more interested in your answer.
1: Uh, I think they're an average side Was at the Was it moment.
2: you, Scott? Yeah, last week? Rudd. Oh, uh, so, oh, oh yeah, sorry, I said, so. oh dear. <laughs> I, I think
1: they're an average side at the moment. I've always thought that Koeman, when I saw him at Southampton, played some really good football. They pressed the ball in midfield. They counter attack well. They were creative in the top third of the field. I can't really see that from Everton at the moment. They're I'll
2: revolving go, into something else.
1: I saw them against Arsenal where they played poorly for much of the game and then started, the crowd almost inspired the team to press higher up the field and work harder to win the ball back. I think team is just struggling at the moment.
2: Crystal Palace fall at home to Swansea and Sam Allardyce is rather unhappy at the fixture congestion. He wants the person responsible for it sacked which I thought was kind of funny, because isn't it a computer? What does he want? Somebody to go, like, smash up the motherboard? No, I'm kidding, kidding, Sam. I'm kidding. I know exactly what you mean. It's obviously the TV companies who are at fault, the ones who also pay everybody's wages. Um,
3: Scully, does he have a point here, and when do you begin to worry about your former club? I think he's probably got a bigger job on his hands than what he realized. Uh, It was a really poor result for them last night, I have to say. Uh, I thought they would definitely stay up. I still think they will, but it's, it's going to be uh, it will go to the wire with them yeah, they've, they've got some problems Crystal Palace that they need to to turn around maybe get a one or two in in a transfer window it just needs freshening up Can I have a special bonus related question on on Jason Punchin specifically because I, I, I read something
2: um, online from one of those analytics types who talked about how Punchin is playing deeper this way the, this season he's taking a bazillion more touches but he's shooting and assisting and doing all these things a lot less, presumably because he's further away from goal. Now, I get that that can happen when you're older,
3: but do you want Jason Punchin to be the guy turning into a midfielder? No, you you don't. I don't really see him as a central midfield player. And and last night there, Joe Ledley, Punchin, Kabai, three very, very similar players, all came and got the ball off the back four and passed it backwards sideways. Yeah, I think they need a bit of protection in front of the back four and they need someone further advanced so they can sort of closer to Benteke you know Benteke is their focal point they need someone very close to him gambling off him
1: is Benteke doing enough I've seen games no where he's out. not no. he's not winning balls in the air that's what he's aiming no, the side to do win but, balls in the air
3: but to be fair to him he's very very isolated in that team at the moment
0: Added did
3: do so half of me is their best player I know player. he got a great goal I, I, I think if they're not careful, Palace they'll lose him because I, ju- I just think he can make things happen. Sometimes, you know, his final or delivery or, or something, but he gets it. He can get the team up the pitch. He's exciting. He's he attracts two or three players over to him because you can't really leave him one on one because he will go past players. Um, I think he's turning into uh, a good player.
1: Yeah, one for you. We've had Oscar and then Tevez and now George Mendes claims Cristiano Ronaldo turned down a three hundred million euro move to China, which would have paid. 100 million euros a year. Are you buying this? Um,
2: no. I, I, I think we're kind of in the realm of, of fantasy. I know you can look at this and say, because Tevez is making squillions and Oscar cost this much, then surely Ronaldo could cost that much. But I think there is there is a limit. The nice thing is um, Mendes can say this stuff and, and it's believable. Um, right now we're in the situation where China anything's possible. But it's funny because if you go and you take a closer look, all the big moves of China have something in common and they have one guy in common, but there's only three letters in his name. So, um, no, Kia. Oh, Kia. So, um, so yeah, so I look, anything's possible. It's a fascinating story and it would have made for a tremendous story, which we would have never heard the end of. Many, many, many thanks to my guests today, in all X pro lineup in Tony Cascarino, Stuart Robson, and the very excellent James Skokoff Now, remember, it's just £12 for a 12-week trial. If you want to subscribe to The Times, all you need to do is search The Times online. Uh, you can also press that subscribe button. It's even easier. And if you do it via iTunes, then uh, um, please leave a review, as long as it's a nice one. Uh, we're going to be back next week at the usual time, or rather, I won't be back because I'm going to be away. Uh, You'll be in the company of Alison Rudd. That's right. No Max Rushton. Sorry, Max. Till next time. Bye-bye. The Game is brought to you
3: by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.